Well, thank you again. I'd like to reiterate what Wade said to those who were responsible for providing such a wonderful lunch. And I will try to do my part in keeping that sugar as energy and not coma. <laughs> we're going to take our study this afternoon, a topic that's simply called a virtuous woman. I intentionally didn't put the passage up here. I've only given this one other time. And uh, so it's a new lesson. You're part of the guinea pigs that have to help me work out the kinks. But when I gave it at home, I think there were five or six people before service says, oh, Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31. And I said, no, that's why I didn't put the verse. In fact, I have a, a sermon on the virtuous woman for Proverbs 31, but I'll tell you, one of the most common negative responses I've had to that is women that say, that just exhausts me. I love it. I know it's true, but it's just overwhelming. I, how can anybody be that? Well, we won't get into that. You know, Proverbs 31 is an acrostic. It's basically alpha to omega, which is the Hebrew version, or that's the Greek version, I guess. But it's A to Z of, of, a, of basically a description. So it takes all the letters of the alphabet and starts each statement with that. And so it's intended to be like this over, in some ways, just overwhelming representation. But the idea or the concept of being a virtuous woman should not be overwhelming. Now, in fact, I'll say this about the sermon. If you're sitting here today and you're like, well, I'm not a woman, so good. I get to sit here and think what I need to expect out of the women in my life. That's not where this lesson's actually going. In fact... This word virtuous in the Hebrew comes from a word that literally means a force. And in the scripture that I have referenced, it says, I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. They know that you're a force of a woman. Now this word force, as I understand it, I told you this morning, these Hebrew words are defined because they don't just take Bible manuscripts, they take any manuscript they can get and try to understand how these words, the definition, based on how they were used in context. And in old manuscripts that are found other than biblical, this word is used to describe strength, it is used to describe power, it's used to describe might, and even wealth. Now, in biblical usage, we know this is a force of good character. And this is indeed, I think, the context of this. But I want us to broaden as we go into this study this afternoon. I don't want us as men to sit there and think, well, this is what the women should do. I don't want the young people to say this is what the adults should do. I want us in turn to look at this and say, how can we be a force of a Christian in Bakersfield? In the congregation here, in the community, wherever you live, when I go back to Oakdale, how can I be a force in Oakdale for good, for God? How can Rachel do that? How can we all take on characteristics? There was something about this woman that caused this person to say, I'm going to do for you what you've asked because everybody, I know this and the whole, everybody in town knows what a force of a woman you are and I want to do this. Now, who was this? I don't know. I, I found before services, people start saying, well, where is it then? Where is it? One person said, I see what you're doing. They knew where this came from immediately once they realized it wasn't Proverbs. It comes from the book of Ruth. In Ruth chapter 3, Boaz is now talking and he says, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know 
that you are a virtuous woman. You're a forcible woman, and I'm going to do what? What did Boaz know about Ruth that would cause him to say, I've heard about you. Everybody in town knows about you and knows you're virtuous. I'm going to suggest that one of the first two things that, one of the first few things that Boaz knew about Ruth is that she had married into the people of God and she had been converted. She refused to go back to where she came from or even blame God when tragedy struck their lives. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Ruth, I'm not going to go and read through the whole book. You can do that on your own time. I hope you don't do it during the sermon. But I'll just say, if you get bored, if you get lost, pull out your Old Testament. Go to the book of Ruth. It's, it's a short read. You'll be done before I am. And in fact, I'm only going to cover what's found up to Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11. Because I'm trying to figure out, what did Boaz, what did the town know about her by this time? If you back up to chapter 1, to the beginning of the story, you're going to find out that she had a husband named Elimelech. Or she had a father-in-law named Elimelech. Her mother-in-law's name was Naomi. They had two boys, Malon and Chilion. They had left Judah because there was famine in the land of Judah, and they heard that there was food in Moab. So they went there. Just It was a survival choice they made, it seems. They went to that place, and while they're there, Elimelech dies. I don't know if he dies before they took wives. The Scripture says they took wives, and I don't know if the lay re they refuse, uh, refers to Ahimelech and Naomi or if it re refers to uh, Malon and Chilion. I can't figure out when they, uh, Elimelech died. But they, while they were there, Malon and Chilion married two Moab women, girls, Orpah and Ruth. And then those boys died. It's at least a decade after they have moved into Moab. And Naomi says, I've, I hear there's food again in, in Judah, and I just need to return. And from the reading, I'm convinced that Orpah and Ruth are, are going along with them. Because the way I read it, she ultimately says, look, girls, you don't need to go with me. I, I'm not going to have any more sons. I'm not going to get married again. Even if I did get married again, I Even if I had a child tonight, are you really going to wait till they're men? No, you girls go back. You go back to your people. Go back to your gods. Time out. What? Naomi is encouraging someone to go back to a false god. In the Hebrew, it's a little g. It's El, I think, is, it's a generic word for God. It's not Yahweh. They have a little bit of a cry fest. No, we're not going. Yes, we're going. Orpah ultimately goes back. And Ruth says, I'm not going. In fact, the next verses, beginning in verse 16, Ruth, here's what she says to her. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. This is not that Hebrew word El. She's like, I'm not going back to those. That's not the same. She says, I'm converted. I'm not going back there. And stop begging me to leave you. I'm not going to. I won't turn for following me. I'm going where you go. You know, I'm ashamed to tell you, I'm not sure how old I was, but I was a lot older. I was married with kids before it, like there's this aha moment. 
That's not talking about two people in love that are committing themselves in marriage. This is the daughter-in-law to the mother-in-law. That's awesome. Now, not that I want uh, Taylor to leave her family, but I want her to have that kind of relationship with Rachel. I want our daughter-in-laws to love one another. I want them to be kind and, and have this kind of affection, this kind of commitment to a family. She says, I'm going where you go. I want to live where you live. Your people are now my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. This was not just about Ruth saying, I'm going to take care of you till you die, then I'll go back to my people. Culturally, that might have been something. That's not what she's saying. She says, I'm going to be buried where you're buried. That's a big deal. You remember how many of the patriarchs, how many of those under the old covenant, if they died in a land that wasn't theirs, they would have their, their kids promised to take and put their bones back in the cave where the other families buried. Joseph in the land of Egypt, he said before he died, I know it's going to be a long time before everybody's delivered out of Egypt and the great exodus and that deliverance from slavery. But promise me when you go, you'll carry my bones with you. Because he knew that was not his place. Is he really going to know that whether those bones went or not? No. But while he was living, he wanted his bones to be amongst his people. When, they, when Ruth says her, she's going to be buried where people, she is saying, I am totally converted. I am committed. And I would tell you, that's the first massive lesson. If we get nothing else out of this this afternoon, about what it takes to be a force of a person in our community and in our church, it's that when we are converted, we're converted. And we're not going to go back when things turn south. And when tragedy strikes our life, even if the people that are, we're closest to are ready to give up, we're not. We're never going to give up. What else did Boaz know about her? I think second of all, he knew she didn't lose faith when her family, when her mentor became bitter. In fact... Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened. No, I've got to stop myself for just a second. In the verses in between, after Ruth has told Naomi, don't plead with me, stop, stop trying to get me to do this, it says she spoke to her no more. Now that's an interesting statement, and I'm not sure if it means they wouldn't talk if they were mad, if she was angry, or if it just means they more, no more talked about this matter. And it occurred to me, there's also a, another option. You know, sometimes when people are overwhelmed with grief, they just stop talking. At all. And I learned a lesson from Ruth in this. Fine. We'll just walk together. And it may be that the best way you can help somebody that needs you when they grieve is just to walk with them. Don't try to tell them how everything's going to be okay. Don't tell them our own world. Just be there. They'll talk when they're ready. I don't know if that's exactly what went on here, but I know that is a coping strategy. And sometimes if we open our mouths, we just stick our foot in it anyway. If they don't want to talk, that's okay. Be with them. Walk with them. They walk along until they came to Bethlehem. It happened when they'd come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women says, is this Naomi? That's fascinating to me because people don't change that much, do they? It's only been 10 years, maybe a little more. And they're trying to figure out if this is Naomi. 
In my mind, I picture not only has this grief affected her inside, it's affected her outside. Maybe she used to care for herself, baby. Maybe she's gained wrinkles and she's forlorn. Who knows what she is? But they have to ask us, this is her. And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt with very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Imagine how Ruth felt. <laughs> Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Naomi literally means pleasant in the Hebrew. Mara, you read the book of Exodus, the waters of Mara, what were they? They were bitter. They were poison. And it seems to me that Naomi thinks she's just poison. Everything's gone bad for her. She went out full. She went out with hope. They, had, they were trying to take care of things in the way they felt like they should take care of them. And now she comes back and she feels like she's poisoned. People around her are dying. She says, don't even call me by that anymore. Ruth is determined to stay and support her mother-in-law, despite the fact her mother-in-law would just soon she went back to her other gods. But by this point, Ruth knows she has something far greater somewhere. She's going to stay. I want to tell you, sometimes the people that have influenced us the most that have perhaps brought us right to the steps of conversion and helped us understand the gospel and we put so much faith and confidence in them and then they disappoint. Maybe they fall away. I don't know. We all have our own story. The key to being a force of a Christian, a, a virtuous woman, a force of a woman like Ruth is, that's not going to make us stop. That will not cause us to leave. What else did Boaz know about Ruth that would cause her virtuous? He knew Ruth was an idol. He knew she just did what she could. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 2, it says, So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. You know what the gleaners were? They picked up scraps. In fact, according to the old law, they were, if you had a field and a harvest, you weren't supposed to go back and harvest back through a second time. It was supposed to be left for the foreigners. It was supposed to be left for those that were poor. In fact, they weren't even supposed to harvest the corners of the fields, right? Fascinating point. We could get off onto my idea of the, the social gospel. God never did tell those people, you set up a fruit stand on the edge and make it easy and bag everything up so that the people that didn't have anything will have something to eat. It wasn't a soup kitchen. They just handed it out. He says, you provide that they can come in and work too. God did not intend for us to just be takers all the time from what the other people had worked. And Naomi was the kind of person, she wasn't idle. She says, I can't just sit around here. I know you're grieving. I know that you need to do what you need to do, but i got to get out and do something. Please, can I at least just go glean in the fields? She said, I want to take on the role of the foreigner, the homeless like we just prayed for. I want to take on the role of the lowest in society, and that's okay with me. I'll do anything. Time out real quick. Got some young boys here, maybe some young girls. When it's time for you to grow up, 
Don't think you got to get a job like Frankie God or Wade God, you know, at the top or whatever. You got to immediately start doing this. You take whatever you can get. I can't speak for everybody, but I know a lot of people that got to where they are and they're successful now and they started out laboring, sweeping the floors, dewatering the site, taking a wire brush and brushing that mud off the rebar because the footings all got flooded. Nobody wanted to do it. A lot of guys said, I'm not doing that. I'll go home and sit at home before I'll do that. I know highly successful people that would do anything. They would have gleaned the fields. That's, the, that's part of what made Ruth a virtuous force of a woman. She didn't have to say, look, I'm going to go see if I can get somebody to let me harvest in their field. I'm going to go to the, get the corners before the hoarders get them. She gleaned behind them. She left and she went and gleaned in the field. What did she do? She did what she could. And in this congregation, you may look and say, I'd love to be able to do such and such, but I don't know how to do that. I'd love to be able to do this, but I don't have the, the financial capability to do that. But what I saw this afternoon was pretty exciting. I saw people washing dishes, wiping tables, doing what you can. When we will do what we can and not think everybody else is always going to do it for us, then we become a force in the church at Bakersfield or wherever we're from. What else did Boaz see that would cause him to call Ruth virtuous? She thought of others and she shared her blessings. In verse 14 it says, Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here, eat, eat of the bread. D dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. Now that used to sound gross to me. Honestly, I, I did not like vinegar. At least I didn't think I did. Turns out pickles have vinegar in them. <laughs> but the, dipping your bread in vinegar. And then I started, they, these Greek Mediterranean restaurants started to come around. You put that oil and vinegar and they take that, kind of looks like communion bread, the pitas. Dip that, wow, that's good. That's what I picture when I read this. He's like, come in here, you eat with us. Here, have some of the vinegar. Dip your bread. So she sat beside the reapers and passed parched grain, to, and they and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied, and kept some back. Now, if you make the mistake we sometimes make, and you stop reading there, you stop and dwell on that. You ever do that reading, and you just stop and think about, let something soak in, and you think that poor thing, she's so afraid she's not going to get any more. She's going to put some in her pocket because she knows she'll get hungry later, and she, this bread's really good. Was that what she was doing? Good thing is you don't have to read very far. It says she took it up and went to the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. You know what she did with that food she kept back? She thought Naomi would like this. It makes me wonder, did their bread taste different? You know, you talk about people say, oh, I love her bread. It just, and I'm like, I can't. it's bread's bread, right? No, it turns out it's not. I wonder if she wanted Naomi because this was special bread, or she just knew it had been a hard day and Naomi wasn't eating. Two things I notice in this passage that helped make Ruth be a force of a woman. First of all, she took care of her own needs. Scripture says she was satisfied first. And some of you don't know how to take care of your own needs. You're so worried about making sure Naomi gets some. She took care of her own needs, and that's okay. She's still a force of a woman. And she took what was she could to set aside and then go take care of other people too. Don't neglect yourself 
as you try to be help to other people. You'll still be a virtuous woman, and in my mind, that's part of what helps you be a force of a woman. Lest we forget, guys, time out. This is how anybody can be a force. A virtuous force in the church. And she took it back. What else did Boaz know about her that would call him, cause him to call her virtuous? She, he knew she followed wise advice in issues of faith and issues of liberty. If you go to chapter 2 and verse 22, Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. She found out who she was with. He says, you need to stick close to him and to his people. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest. She stays through both harvests. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. This, I infer from this, she had choice. She could have gone any field she wanted to. Nobody, her, Naomi wasn't following her out there and stopping her. Boaz encouraged her to stay with his people, and he charged his men, you don't lay a hand on her. And you may be thinking, well, why would he have to say that? Very first verse of the book of Ruth says this happens during the time of the judges. If you're not familiar with the book of Judges, go back and read it. It's a longer read. You're not going to do that in 10 minutes. But now look, you think the evening news is depressing. Read the book of Judges and some of the things that happened, especially to young women that were beautiful. Horrific. Back to this story. You stay with my men. You don't leave their protection. And young men, don't lay a hand on her. Her mother-in-law says this is good advice. Stick there. She had a choice. She took wise advice. It was her liberty. Go where she wanted to go, which field she wanted to go, whether it was with Boaz or not. She took good advice, and she, and she stayed living with her mother-in-law. She kept taking care of her. She followed wise advice in faith and liberty. I think there's one last thing that she learned about Ruth, or he knew about Ruth. He knew she chose virtuous priorities, not wealth, not youth, not beauty, when she made life's most important decisions. If you go into chapter 3, now you know we're getting to verse 11, so I'm about to run out of things he knows about her. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? What's that mean? Here's what I believe it means. Naomi's like, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to give you some advice that will help you be taken care of. of and it can, you can have a good life. It'll be well with you. Now, Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Why does this matter that he's a relative? One thing that seems to be very important about all of these cultures, and probably even the culture in Moab, is that family names were everything. <laughs> Still is. You should have seen the text that Wade sent to me and his brothers when Charlie was a boy. That branch name. They haven't done that yet. He's doing his part. Under the old law, if a situation like happened in Naomi's family where the men are all gone, how does the family name? What's going to carry that? And if you know the old law, you know that's how their property, that's how they had land that was... It was territories were based on this name. She says, he's part of the family. 
In fact, he's winnowing barley. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor. Ruth, you need to clean up. You need to anoint yourself. It's like a perfume. I want to make yourself known to the I do not want you to make yourself known to the man till he's finished eating and drinking. You just go down there and you wait. Wonder what time she went down there. She says, then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. You shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down. And he will tell you what you should do. Now, I got a feeling that's about the way they courted in Moab. I know if anybody said that to any of us in this society, we'd think, what are you, crazy? And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. She's taking advice in faith and in liberty. So she went down to the threshing floor, did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Stop right there, just a second. I like this verse because Boaz seems like a good guy. Seems like an honorable guy who does a lot of things for good. Guys, you ever feel like, I don't know if I'm just working too much. I feel, I've had some nights that I got so tired I just laid down there on the floor in the office and then I ask myself, are my priorities right? I'm sleeping in my office at night. And I read this about Boaz and I'm like, well, there's godly men that did that in the past. Sometimes harvest happens and you just sleep when you're tired and you get back up and work. It's okay. Can't be year-round. We got to keep everything in the right priority. She came softly, uncovered his feet, and she lay down. Now it happened at midnight. What time did she go lay down? I guess I'm not the only dead sleeper. <laughs> it's been a while. She uncovered his feet, she lay down there. How long did she wait? It's after midnight that he was startled and he turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet. She's not the one that woke him up. Now some of you might have woken up as soon as somebody pulled the covers off your feet. He's tired. He realizes when he goes to roll over after being startled that she's there. He said, who are you? And she said, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing for you are a close relative. This is in Hebrew. If you haven't figured it out yet, she's saying, I will be your wife if you will be my kinsman redeemer so that we keep the family name going for Naomi. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning in that you did not go after young men whether poor or rich. Now I assume Boaz knew girls didn't like him or something because he's blown away. He knows all this other stuff about how she's been taking care of Naomi and all the things she's done. And he, had, he said, you're, you're showing more kindness by offering to be my wife than in all the other things you've done. Because of where your priority is placed. And now, my daughter, don't, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a force of a woman. 
you're a virtuous woman. Now, I'm not even going to go through the rest of this story. You may be somewhat familiar with it. There's another one, and he thinks he wants the land, but he doesn't want the wife, and so it all turns around, and Boaz gets that. But here's what I do want to run fast forward to. Some of you know this already, and some of you may not. She ended up having a son to carry the family name. That son became one of the grandparents of King David. And she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. A Moabite. The law says a Moabite couldn't even go into the temple to the 10th generation because of some of the issues they had with the Moabites. One of Jesus' great, 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 great grandmas couldn't even worship in the temple. And we're reminded that his blood of reconciliation flew black, flew, flowed backwards from the cross as well as forward. That's fascinating to me. And all, it could have been done a million ways. But God carried this out through a virtuous woman, a force of a woman, who was willing to leave Moab and turn herself to the people of God. What did Moaz know about Ruth that would call her virtuous? Ruth married into the people of God, and she was converted. She refused to go back. Blame God when tragedy struck. Today, if you want to be a force of a Christian in Bakersfield or wherever we're from, we have to be converted. Because as much as I love whoever was instrumental in my conversion, and you insert the name for you, if they fall away, that's not where my faith's lying. If they die and they pass away, I'm not going to blame God that that tragedy struck. I am converted. That's a way to be a force of a Christian. She did not lose faith when her family or her mentor became bitter. I've had some people in my life that turned, I don't know if you call it bitter, but they just turned their back on what was truth and right. And they chose things that directly contradicted what the Word of God says. And you got a choice when that happens. Am I going to follow them and stay with them, or am I going to say bye and stay where God is, even if I lost this person or these people that were so key in my life? If I want to be a force of a Christian, I'm not going to follow them. I'm going to stay with truth no matter what happens. And I'm not going to be idle. Ruth wasn't idle. She did what she could. And I'm going to be the same way. It doesn't matter if the trash needs to get taken out. If somebody just needs to help the older ladies put their stuff in their car. If it's vacuuming the floors. If it's wiping down a toilet. I'm going to do whatever I can. Will God find greater things for us to do? Very likely. But he may not. We'll do what we can. She thought of others and shared her blessings. I mentioned it this morning with Zacchaeus. And I'll just say it, coming up again this afternoon, this is Freudian, I didn't intend for it to happen, but one of my greatest concerns is that we as Americans are so blessed, and rather than it helping with our generosity, we began to try to, well, I need, how much am I going to need to retire? And, what, and, and, and we accumulate. And I'm not saying that's all wrong. As Ruth took care of her own needs, she was satisfied, but she also thought of others. There's got to be that balance of sharing our blessings with those who stand in need. She followed wise advice in faith and in liberty. 
I know I've had to face some decisions in my life that there was no Bible verse for anybody to give me. And then we get, a, we get to an issue of liberty. Some things the Bible tells us plain, and it's like, I just needed somebody to show me. I'm like, okay, that's what we do. Other things aren't like that. It's an issue of liberty. Talk to people that you respect spiritually, the older ones. And be willing to follow that advice in issues of liberty. Ruth chose virtuous priorities, not wealth, not youth, not beauty. She put her faith where things. And so I ask you today, if this doesn't describe your faith, are you ready to be converted and be this, a child like this? If you're not a Christian, we talked about it this morning. You have to hear the word of God. You have to be willing to believe it. You have to be willing to change your life. That's repentance from self-will to God's will. To confess our faith before men that Jesus is the Son of God. And be baptized according to Galatians 3.27. If you're a Christian today and you desire perhaps the prayers of the church that you say, I just need to get things together. And I know I can pray to God and He's just and faithful to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, but I want the prayers of the church. I want them to know what I'm battling here. Then we want to pray with you and for you. If there's one of either class, won't you come while we stand? While we sing. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.